Hey there, and welcome to the One Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at one of our services. If you'd like to know more about life at One Church, visit us online at weareone.church or check us out on social media. Please take your seats, everybody. Just want to give a very special welcome to One Church Online, One Church Podsmeet, One Church Bristol, One Church Canesham, and of course One Church Gloucester. What an honour to speak to everybody in one go. Isn't that brilliant? (coughs) I'm going to jump straight in and uh, to maximise the time we've got. If you've got a Bible, please turn to Matthew chapter 14, just five verses. I want to talk to you something called the miracle margin. The miracle margin. Verse 22 says this, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. Whose idea was this? Jesus. While he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up onto a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, unconventionally, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. Why would you ever see one of your best friends as a ghost? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, they knew Jesus, they were hanging out with Jesus, and there he is walking, uh, it is a bit unconventional, uh, the context is different, isn't it? He is walking on water, so let's give them a little bit of credit. But even so, like, it's a ghost. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Now, last weekend, as part of my Assemblies of God duties, I was in Aberdeen. And I was working with uh, Dr. Ian Duthie. Do you remember the guy who spoke at Wheel One? I was at his church. So, we were in his church, and you saw the videos of his new church. Like, I didn't grasp how big his new church is. Uh, To give you some idea, we can fit this auditorium into his foyer. (laughs) Now, does that give you a little bit more context? (laughs) As we were driving towards it, I'm like, oh my goodness. It was amazing. In fact, there was one moment, he gave me a whistle-stop tour. The the main auditorium has two and a half thousand seats in it, uh, and then he's got all these breakout rooms, and there was this one room where he was looking at, it was a 400-seater auditorium, which was designed like a lecture room in a university. So all the the chairs just cascaded down to a a stage at the front. And uh, I was looking at it, he just looked at me and went, I don't know what to do with this one. moment I could have poked him in the eye <laughs> Every, everywhere we went after that I kept going oh you've got coffee stains on the floor there mate someone could have cleaned this a bit better <laughs> purely, purely out of jealousy to try and get him in fact I went to the gents toilets and I thought we 
could fit the whole of Bristol in the gents' toilets. <laughs> it was just massive. Later, I was standing on the stage and I was encouraging the pastors. It was a pastors' conference. And I was encouraging the pastors and I asked them the question, when's the last time you witnessed a miracle? And they all had a little bit of a chat amongst themselves. I said, you're sitting in one. You're sitting in a miracle. You're sitting in a miracle. In fact, we're sitting in a miracle. If you've lived here long enough, you'll know of the marvellous provision. How many miracles are going on around us if we slow down long enough to identify them? It, is, it does crop up recently. I found myself talking to people about miracles. I, I once saw a woman get out of a wheelchair and walk and then run. I was like... That's a miracle. That was a miracle. And a little bit in me went, uh, did they stage that? It's funny, isn't it? <laughs> so much so, I had to go and talk to her husband. I went, you know, is she, is she all right? Or just, you know, she was a bit tired and you helped her in. Because no, she's been like this for 30 years. I'm like, it's a miracle. I've seen that miracle. I've witnessed it. I've witnessed healing personally myself. Uh, the, the part of the body that they operated on is a little bit embarrassing to talk about. But when the doctor said, we can't heal, I remember in that prayer meeting that night, crying out to God saying, the doctor said it can't work. Would you please heal me? And here I am, 35 years later, personally attest me of God's healing power in my life. Jesus healed me that night. It was a miracle. I just don't talk about it very much because it's a bit embarrassing. <laughs> I've witnessed incredible provision. Ali and I have been in full-time ministry now for over 30 years. For 13 of those years, we did not have any promised income. No salary. We had to trust God. And God came through for us. I have stories of, of bags of food being left on our doorstep. And us going through them going, wow, look at this. I have stories of Ali and I sitting down and going, well, we could, we've got food today. And we've uh, got the bills covered for this week. But tomorrow... And an envelope comes through the door with some money in it. That's a bit lucky, isn't it? <laughs> Cars. Someone's given me a car. Clothes. Holidays. God has wonderfully and marvellously provided. It's been a miracle. Have, have we lost these stories? Are we taking the everyday miracles for granted or has God stopped working? I was listening to a missionary recently talking about syncretism. Now don't worry, I didn't know what the word was either. <laughs> but I've added it to my vocabulary, right? What it means is this, syncretism means when missionaries go out to a new culture and people mix their old beliefs and their culture with the gospel. 
So they've got like a mixed bag of stuff. Now this is something that happens in Zimbabwe with Ken and Priska. Uh, we find this quite a lot. There are people who have their newfound belief of following Jesus, but they have their traditions. And when, when they get a little bit, oh, this doesn't quite work, they go back to their traditions and they kind of make a mixed, pick and mixed version of faith. Does, that, does this make sense to you? Uh, this, this word synchronism means that. And uh, I thought, oh, yeah, that's a bit interesting. Yeah, we have that in Zimbabwe. And then, because she, she's just back from uh, Africa, she says, she says, and I think that's a problem here too. And my jaw went, mm. I thought about it. Have we slipped into a form of syncretism? For example, when I have sickness, what's my first reaction? Of course, you Google it. And you look long enough and find out you definitely have leprosy. So you phone up your doctor. He said, Doctor, I'm pretty sure I've got leprosy. And they go, I'm sorry, I'm not even going to speak to you. You have to go online. And you have to have about 50 pages online at the end of it. You get a response, and it's a virus. It's always a virus. And then you go, no, I'm pretty sure it's leprosy. When did we forget to go to Jesus first? Hello. Right, and please, uh, can I include everybody in the room, including the man on the platform? A large, unexpected bill comes through the letterbox. So I immediately extend my credit limit. I draw back my plans and my mission trip is cancelled and my giving is withdrawn to get through this issue that I'm dealing with because I'm, actually I'm being a good steward. was Jesus trying to teach me in that story? Have I forgotten that the all-powerful Jesus is the person I should turn to first of all? Have we all been lulled into a way of thinking to put Jesus on the fringe, like treating him like some guest that overstays their welcome? On Sunday, we're declaring that Jesus is the centre of everything, and by Tuesday... We've forgotten. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying here. I'm not saying go home, throw away your pills, <laughs> burn down the hospital. <laughs> if you're a doctor here or you're a medical practitioner here, I love you. <laughs> I, I'm not preaching against you because there is a time for us to apply conventional wisdom. It reminds me of a story of a, uh, a guy who was flooded and he somehow, he ended up on the roof of his house. He was, he was, the floods were rising and he said, God help me, God help me. And then a boat turned up and, uh, he, and he says, hey, jump in the boat. He goes, no, I'm expecting God to help me. <laughs> the floods rose, he died. Guts to heaven, he says, God, I cried out for you to help me. God says, I sent you a boat. <laughs> So don't hear what I'm not saying. What I'm calling out is, when you hit the issue, what is your reaction? Because your reaction will tell you where you really are centred. 
I think we definitely pray more when our options are limited. And certainly third world countries, and historically, in our own country, we saw more miracles because there is no doctor, no cure. No, we have limited resource. All you can do is pray. And we all pray differently when there's no backup plan. A man fell off a mountain, and he was tumbling down the mountain. I've got some great stories today. He's tumbling off a mountain, and he grabs hold of a branch. And he, oh, God, you saved me. He's hanging on to this branch. And then the branch starts to come away at the roots, and it's, come, it's starting to fall. And he's like, ah, oh. he goes, God, save me. God, save me. God, save me. And a voice comes from heaven. Let go of the branch. To which he cries, is there anybody else up there? (laughs) I'm trying to teach us something today. God doesn't fit into your logic. Neither do miracles. Would you emigrate to another country if God told you that he would heal your wheelchair-bound sister? That's a good question. But Naomi and Frida, Frida was in a wheelchair, moved to this country because God said to Naomi, if you go to England and start a church, I'll heal your sister. So she came to England she started a church called One Church and God healed her sister. There's logic for you, right? I'm just wondering if we've kind of like squeezed God into our processes of thinking and expect him to produce a miracle within our limitations. When God's saying, why don't you come out over here? Because this is where I operate, and this is where you live. I think I want to live in the miracle margin. I think I want to live there. But maybe I'm a little bit scared to live there. So let's go back to this story in Scripture. The one where Jesus appears as a ghost. It's amazing. They were in God's will. We know in verse 22, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of them. It's not like they were running. This is not a Jonah story. This is people who are doing exactly what Jesus asked them to do. They were focused on the mission. The boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against them. Here's the picture. They're working hard. They're rowing against the wind. They're going in. They are on plan. They're in the mission. They they were told to go to Gennesaret and they were following Jesus' call. Jesus' call is sometimes difficult. It takes grit and determination to see it through sometimes. And it certainly needs some resilience. These are great qualities. And the fruit of the Spirit bears itself out when we live this way. 
Also, Jesus was not there. Have you noticed when you're in the storm, Jesus is up a mountain praying somewhere? Like, oh, for goodness sake, come on, Jesus. It's all right for you to send us in the boat. Where are you? In a prayer meeting, in a nice warm mountain. Um, well, yeah, well, doesn't matter. You're not in this, Jesus. Jesus feels very distant in the storms of life. In truth, he's praying, and he's praying for you. The Bible tells us he is our high priest. Hebrews 7 verse 25 says, Therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them. The storm you are in right now, you may feel that Jesus is not with you, but he's praying for you. Isn't that wonderful? So the disciples were exactly where they were meant to be, but the miracle margin requires something new. Living in the miracle margin requires new thinking. What are the disciples thinking as they're pulling on the oars? This is a bit tough. Jesus, can you rescue me from this storm? Where are you, Jesus? Of all the times to disappear, this is when we need you right now. Whose idea was this to leave at this time of night anyway? This is not what I signed up for. This is just me projecting my life into this story. (laughs) The last thing they're expecting is for Jesus to turn up as a ghost. Maybe the gap between the mundane and the miracle is simply that we expect Jesus to turn up in our comfortable yet disordered world and to fit into our logic. I think the Jesus we like is the one stroking a lamb. (laughs) Jesus. Jesus comes in stroking a lamb. (laughs) What can I do for you, Eddie? I'm just stroking a lamb at the moment. That's the Jesus I love. What we don't expect is the Jesus to freak us out and turn up like a ghost. (laughs) Can I have the lamb, Jesus? I don't want the ghost, Jesus. Can I have the lamb, Jesus? And can you say Psalm 23 while you're at it? The truth is, Jesus turned up as a ghost. And the disciples had a choice. To pretend it wasn't Jesus and carry on in their world. Keep rowing, keep rowing, keep rowing. Or to change their thinking. We need to line up our thinking to his thinking. Anybody remember the old radios? Hello, welcome to BBC Sounds. We need to tune in to his voice. Because otherwise we will never live in the miracle margin. We will forever be rowing against storms, reminding ourselves of yesterday's stories. 
And God's saying, I have something new for you to step into. Romans 12 verse 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing and perfect will. In this story, Peter starts to tune in. And he asks the question that we must learn. Matthew 14 verse 28. And this is it. Lord, if this is you... Tell me to come to you on the water. Lord, if this is you, tell me to come to you. In other words, Lord, if this is you, I'm going to step out of my normal and into your strange, freaky, ghost-type thing and see what happens. If it's you, tell me to come. The other disciples go, no, keep your head down, keep going, keep going, keep, keep rowing, keep rowing. <laughs> Maybe we can get away from this. And Peter's, but he's now looking at Jesus. Imagine a world where we change our thinking to line up with the Spirit of God. That before we reach for our smartphone, before we reach to our WhatsApp to tell everybody how difficult our life is and get some empathy, before we reach for a glass of wine, or some comfort food. We just ask the question, if this is you, Lord, tell me to come, and I will. And, and I'll be honest with you, if there's no response, keep rowing. Okay? But what if, what if scary, crazy, freaky Jesus turned up and got us out of the norm and took us to a new place. It might go wrong. It might. It might go right. We might be telling a story of another difficult row across a lake, or you never believe what happened to me today. It reminds me of the story of Jonathan, his armor bearer, and they're facing the enemy, and they are not sure what to do. And with a gleam in his eye, Jonathan turns to his armor bearer and says, Perhaps God is with us. And his armor goes, yeah, should we give it a go? And they go, yeah. And they start to climb up a mountain and they get to the top and say, come on, if you think you're hard enough. <laughs> it's a lunatic story. It's a crazy story. It's a crazy out there, unlogical story. It's the kind of story that Jesus would have turned up as a ghost. When you choose to say, I'm not going to be conventional, if that's you, Jesus, I'm going to come, you are seeding the opportunity of a miracle. You have a chance of moving into the miracle margin. You have a chance of being part of something that may not be logical to everybody else, even to yourself but you may be starting a miracle in someone else's life. Maybe you're the one that God says, put some money in an envelope and push it through the door. Maybe you're the one who picks up the phone and says, I know I haven't spoken to you for a long time, but I was praying for you today. And this is what I felt God say. Maybe you're the one who picks up the text message and just encourages someone. Maybe you're the one who sits on the bus 
And instead of getting your smartphone out, you pray, God, do you want me to speak to someone today? As you know, I only do this in jacuzzis. (laughs) But you can have your own transport to work in. The world's a big place. But I'm daring to step out of my normal and into the miracle margin. Who knows? God might use you to heal someone today. Who knows? God might use you to be provider to someone today. Who knows? God might use you to use words that set someone free today. Lord Jesus, it's a privilege to follow your call on our life. As a church, God, it's a privilege to row across a lake because that's where you told us to go. It's a privilege to serve you. But if you want to turn up without stroking a lamb and look more like a ghost, we are ready for you. If you want us to step out into something that is unique, we're up for it. If it's you, Lord, tell me to come and I'm on my way. In the name of Jesus, amen. said I just feel really moved by God today and um, I think I I just felt God say you know I've come to you as my kids because I love you I'll never stop encouraging it out of you I'm never going to stop appealing with you to say there's there's more in you remember remember tune in tune in remember what I've said to you but I'm calling you to be soldiers just uh, listening to what the Spirit of God was uh, just appealing to us to do and I was thinking how many times in my life do I just overlook uh, Jesus you know so I thought you know it's easy for me if someone was to say you know um, are you a Christian yeah is your whole life in Jesus's hands yeah Um, you know what do you do when you face adversity I pray and then I thought through my week I just went through my week and I thought I didn't always pray I sometimes just jumped ahead tried to do it myself tried to do it in my own strength and um and Jesus is saying I've got the word for you I've, I've got the solution I've got the what happens next for you I just need you to tune into my voice and I feel God saying a few things number one uh, we are all including me in the in the boat where we have to say God I'm so sorry I don't always turn to you and I should I, I, I sometimes overlook maybe the miracle you're holding out for me so the sorry needs to come from all of us there's two groups of people I felt God say there are some of you that are facing the most insurmountable needs and you don't even share them 
much, but in your heart you're thinking, oh, I've just got no idea what, what can be done about this. And you've you've sort of nudged it towards heaven and 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 I feel God wants you to keep asking him. Because we don't just have to ask once. Uh, Simon sometimes talks about playing spiritual tennis and he, he talks about the fact that you say, God, it's yours. Maybe, you know, you found yourself picking up. No, God, it's yours. I'm not going to stop asking you. I'm not going to stop asking you because you're the only one that can do this for me. And some of you are in that position. Some of us are in that position. And God is saying, don't stop asking of me. Trust me. Keep asking. Keep coming to me. Keep coming to me. Keep coming to me. Keep listening. Keep looking. Because God is in this with you second group of people I feel God's saying is uh, God called you God placed a calling on your life it was something that was scary it was something that was exciting but you knew it was God and you knew it was for you and sometimes it's easy to remember those things and see them as the end product and say well one day I'll get there one day I'll get there and God wants to say to you you won't get there if every time difficulty comes you put your calling down and you downplay it or you leave it until it feels easier. It's never going to feel easier. I've called you to be my soldiers. I've called you. I, I need you to do my work on earth. Eddie was talking about if God's light is in us, then we are the light. If God's spirit is in us, then we are the spirit to people. And, you know, some of you need to come to Jesus this morning and you need to say, I have my calling on the shelf because it just felt too difficult at times in the everyday journey towards it I've let you down I still believe it's there but it's on my shelf and it's covered in dust and God says take it off the shelf dust down your calling put it firmly back in your heart and start walking I'm going to give you 30 seconds to just speak to Jesus about what he's spoken to you about you to say, Jesus, I'm yours. Lock, stock, and barrel. Every moment, every situation, all of me, you demand my soul, my life, my all. My soul, my 